Brought to you by the National Society of Genetic Counselors, this is Genetic Counselors and You. Answers to your genetic questions by Genetic Counselors. For more information about Genetic Counselors, including what they do and why you might see one, visit aboutgeneticcounselors.com. I'm Deepti Babu, Certified Genetic Counselor, Writer, and NSGC member. Welcome to our first episode for 2020. Just before we get started, a quick note that I am very excited to share with you. For 2020, I'll be hosting the Genetic Counselors and You podcast. Every two months, we'll continue to bring experts in to help break down complex topics in genetics that are making people curious, with the goal of turning curiosity into knowledge that you can apply in your own lives. If you have an idea for a topic you'd like explored, please email the show at info at nsgc.org. At-home DNA tests are a popular gift, especially at the holidays. Did you receive one? Maybe by surprise or because it was on your wish list and now you're wondering how to take advantage of it? Today, we're talking with an expert who can give you sound advice based on conversations she's had with many people just like you. So let's say you got a kit for Christmas or Hanukkah or your birthday, and it's still in its cellophane wrapper and you're just not sure that you want to do it. So my, my advice is kind of think a little bit about um, what's holding you back. So today we're talking with Brianne Kirkpatrick, who is a licensed and certified genetic counselor, writer, and founder of Watershed DNA, a private practice specializing in ancestry testing. In addition, Brianne speaks to members of the media as NSGC's ancestry expert as part of NSGC's expert media panel. So Brianne, let's kick off the conversation here. Um, today we want to talk about at-home DNA tests, which, as you know, are a popular holiday gift. I feel like there's always sales that come around around the holiday season on these, on these test kits. And some people ask for one as a gift, some get them as a surprise, but genetic tests are really not all the same, right? So I'm wondering right. if, you can, if you can start this off for us by helping us break down these tests into categories to help people understand their options. Yeah, sure. So the most common type of home DNA test that most people are going to be comfortable or familiar with is an ancestry test. So that's a test that looks at certain markers in your DNA and then identifies what part of the world your ancestors have come from. There are also some companies that offer testing that tell you about traits. So these are things about your body that are not necessarily related to your health, but are things like the type of earwax you're more prone to have or whether your skin flushes when you drink alcohol. Then there are some companies that also provide health reports, and these tend to be risk reports. So, you know, are you at a higher risk or a lower risk for certain conditions? They're not predictive of whether you're going to develop a genetic disease in the future. And then there's also the aspect of a raw data file that comes from a lot of the companies that offer these other types of tests. So, Raw data is the unprocessed computerized file of DNA markers that some people will take to external websites and try to sort through that raw data for extra information. Thank you so much. That's really helpful to kind of almost put them into different buckets. 
do some of these different um, options exist in the same test product, if you will? So like somebody could order a test that could tell them a little bit about ancestry and also traits or, you know, some combination therein? It's becoming more common that um, a com a, one company can offer multiple types of tests within the same, uh, you know, if you order a kit, you have the option of uh, really opting in to see multiple things. So Ancestry, MyHeritage, and 23andMe, for example, they all offer Ancestry testing. And in addition to that, additional information like traits and health and access to raw data files. So that is a more common and increasingly common option that consumers have. So those are a lot of details to keep track of. Um, I know I, as a genetic counselor, have trouble. So I'm, I'm, I'm under, you know, imagining that consumers who are considering purchasing these might as well. Are there resources to help people to navigate these options? It is a lot. Yes, it is a lot of information. And each of the companies has built out additional information about their test results for the test users to um, find if they go seeking for it. So there's online information at the testing company's website. The reports themselves often have more details, especially if you keep scrolling down or click on different tabs within your online report. You know, sometimes a, a medical care provider can also be um, a good resource to connect with. So maybe talk to your doctor, for example. So let's say you have uh, a, a test report that comes back showing you are positive for a variant in for familial hypercholesterolemia. And this is um, a relatively common genetic condition that leads to high cholesterol running in a family. And there are some companies that will report if they've found a variant for that condition. You know, it's not looking at every potential cause for that condition, but some of the companies, you know, look for a couple dozen markers related to it. If you have a positive report, you might want to have your cholesterol checked and then take those results to a cardiologist to talk about whether taking a cholesterol-lowering medication might be right for you and whether other family members should be tested. So, a, you know, a medical care provider like a doctor or a genetic counselor could be a good partner. Absolutely. So that's an example of, you know, a health-related, uh, health risk-related genetic test. Um, and that's a great tie-in for this month, which is American Heart Month. Good point. Yes, where a lot of people might be thinking about heart disease or markers for heart disease and high cholesterol. You mentioned the expertise is, is invaluable. Maybe some you know, doctors won't be familiar with DNA tests. So in that case, a genetic counselor might be a good option. Did you want to speak a little bit more about that? Genetic counselors are medical professionals who have specialized training in understanding genetics as it relates to health. And many of the companies that now offer at-home DNA testing have partnered with networks of genetic counselors that are specially trained in understanding their reports and talking to consumers or testers that have had those tests. So um, sometimes you can connect with a genetic counselor that way, and it might even be included in the cost of the DNA test. But also, findageneticcounselor.com is a great place to start 
the search for a genetic counselor as well. This is a search tool website where you can put in your location, the specialty or the area of genetics that you're looking to find a genetic counselor in. You can search based on whether you're looking for a telephone genetic counselor or someone you could meet with in person. So findageneticcounselor.com is a place I try to send people a lot when they have a specific type of question they're trying to answer. That's a really great resource for people to, to be able to use. And, and we know another audience um, that listens to this podcast are healthcare providers who maybe don't have that expertise in genetics. And they're, they're looking for ways to refer their patients who have those kinds of questions to a genetic expert, like a genetic counselor. Do you think that that's also a good resource for them? There are so many different types of genetic tests, you know, thousands of types of genetic tests that it's impossible for any one person or any one provider to understand all the nuances of testing um, for all of those options. And so genetic counselors should be seen as a really helpful resource for healthcare providers, and they should feel confident that they can refer a patient to a genetic counselor and say, you know, I don't know as much about this testing as a genetic counselor would. Let me help you connect with one. Um, You know, it takes off the burden on specialists that really know their area in depth and um, helps kind of move people to the specialists that are really going to know about that testing the best. So let's talk about genetic counselors for a minute because, you know, we're both genetic counselors ourselves. I feel like many of us in the field have real concerns about at-home DNA testing. And I'm wondering if you can help our audience kind of understand a little bit where we're coming from with some of those concerns. Genetic counselors have privacy concerns, like many of the testers out there. We want to know, and we want you to know if you're going to have a test, who's going to have your information and what are they going to do with it? And another thing genetic counselors want people to you know, be prepared for is, is the unexpected. So, you know, what if you get news that you weren't expecting to find out about a genetic disease risk that you have? Or maybe you find out you have an unexpected new family member that you didn't know about. Or you find out that your ethnicity based on your DNA markers is different from the one you've identified with. So, you know, are you prepared for the unexpected? And I I mean, you have built your practice, your private practice around supporting and helping people who do uncover that element of surprise as a part of their genetic testing. So thank you for doing that. And And we know that this is an issue such that you have enough people to see just for that alone. Right. Yeah. So I think this was an unanticipated aspect of the home DNA test and using DNA to connect people to one another is we're, we're going to find surprises and, you know, people are not expecting that or not prepared for that, but who better to help people through that kind of discovery than a genetic counselor. It really just felt like the perfect you know, the combination of the skills as a genetic counselor that I had, along with the interest in this type of testing and the acknowledgement that, you know, unexpected information really needs support and, and help from someone. 
we really want people to have high quality testing as affordably as they can. So we don't want people to settle for a DNA test just because it's the easiest for them to get to or it seems to be in their budget. You know, if there's a better test, we want to find out what are the barriers to you having that better test. And we want to take down the barriers. So is it cost? Well, could we look into insurance coverage and make that an affordable test for you? Is it getting connected to a provider to order the test or to make sure you understand the results fully? Well, then can we get you connected to someone over the telephone instead of you know, trying to make an appointment in person? It's not that we don't want people to have home DNA tests. And I think that's a misperception amongst the public that I run into frequently. It's that we want you to have the best test for you, not a general or a non-specific test that the masses are having just because it's on sale for the holidays. You know, we don't want you falsely reassured or unnecessarily panicked by your DNA test. So these are things that genetic counselors think a lot about that um, you know, maybe somebody who's not thinking every day about the ins and outs of DNA tests, they're not gonna be having those same concerns. But um, you know, from the genetic counselor's perspective, that's what's coming into play. And I feel like that goes very well with um, you know, we, our training of, of helping people to make the decisions about testing or our genetic information uh, in line with with themselves and their families. So whether it's about at-home testing or genetic testing that you might get through your doctor, a genetic counselor will always be approaching it in a similar way, which is putting you first. Many genetic counselors have also taken these at-home DNA tests. I mean, we're human, we're curious, just like all of you. Um, So, you know, can you talk a little bit about how that is the case, how we reconcile those? You know, there are some redeeming qualities of the test because it is sometimes the first time a person or a family finds out that they have a genetic variant that can have, you know, a lifetime of impacts, not just on them, but other people in the family. So, um, you know, there's some redeeming qualities to all of the different tests. We've got to just dig a little bit deeper and make sure that we aren't um, stopping short for someone who needs a, a more deep dive type of test. Right. I mean, some of these at-home test companies are recognizing that need for extra help for, for consumers who choose their products. So, you know, they make it available as part of the testing process. Sometimes that cost of the genetic counseling consultation is built into the cost of the test. So the consumer doesn't see that. Um, but how do folks know if they need to speak to a genetic counselor? I feel like that would be an individual, um, you know, person by person basis. But I would say that in general, if you get a result and you're just not sure what to make of it, or maybe you feel in a bit of a panic about your results after you get it, or um, you're wondering if maybe, you know, uh, what I was looking for And what this test gave me, I'm not sure that those are the same. So, um, you know, I had a client come to me once because his home DNA test report showed a higher risk of a condition called age-related macular degeneration. And he came to me with the question, does this mean I'm going to go blind? 
he was he was in a bit of a panic about it at that point. It was new information for him. He didn't really have any family history of macular degeneration, so it kind of came out of left field for him. So I went through his report with him and showed him that the markers he has are common to his part of the world, and most people who have them do not end up developing macular degeneration, and that that condition really isn't blindness in the way he was thinking about it, and also explained to him that the test itself isn't predictive. It's just a risk assessment, and um, that there was more information he could learn about how to lower his risks. So, um, you know, for him, it was it was a particular condition, a particular report that he had questions about, but I feel like that talking about that one report and showing him how it worked, he was able to take that to all of his other reports and kind of work through those himself. So I feel like you are just a fountain of information and so helpful. And I'd love to give listeners some good takeaways. You know, what are some concrete next steps that they can, they can do if they are sitting on this test that they've ordered or they've already sent it in? or something like that. Um, could you offer some, some suggestions for maybe, you know, some of those folks, like we can start with someone who hasn't sent in the test yet. Maybe it's still sitting in the plastic and they're wondering if they want to. Yeah, very good point. So let's say you got a kit for Christmas or Hanukkah or your birthday, and it's still in its cellophane wrapper and you're just not sure that you want to do it. So my, my advice is kind of think a little bit about um, what's holding you back. Is it um, that you're concerned about the privacy of your information? Is it a concern about finding out something that you're not ready for? Maybe you've seen some reports on the news about the government getting access or law enforcement finding serial killers in your family or, you know, things like that. So. Um, know that every company's policy is different and that they change over time. So take some time to visit the website of that testing company, call the client care phone number that's listed or email client care if you have a specific concern and they can often point you to their the FAQs on their website, maybe some videos on YouTube, you know, there's other there's different ways to find out about a test before you open that kit, spit in the tube and send it back. And if you just really are not ready right now, that's fine. There is nothing wrong at all with taking time, uh, maybe even you know, giving the test to another person and, and um, deciding not to move forward with it. That's an acceptable decision as well. So everybody's different, everyone's concerns are going to be different and that's okay. I suppose they could also talk to friends and family, you know, trusted people in their support networks, just to kind of bounce the idea around a little bit and kind of brainstorm on, um, you know, reasons to or, or to not do the test. And as you said, either one is a decision and completely valid. Right. And these tests can have um, implications for other people in the family. So I do think it's worth kind of sitting back and talking with your loved ones and your relatives about it. Uh, maybe listen to their concerns. There might be uh, a reason that a, that a relative 
would not want you to do that testing and you just might need to give them a chance to tell you why. So um, yeah, don't, don't rush forward. Um, but when you are ready, then you can uh, move forward with the testing then. So let's now think about the person who maybe they asked for the test. They are curious. They've kind of done some thought exploration, if you will, into this already, and they, they want to move ahead with it. What do you think could be some from concrete steps for them? So um, I, I guess I'd encourage people to jot down their hopes and expectations, talk about those with their relatives, their family, their close friends and family, and then um, you know prepare for what they're going to do if they get whether the results are unexpected or expected. Right. Yeah, I think that's really helpful because I feel like even for me, um, I can think about what I, I would do if I got what I expected, but it's that surprise element that's always going to throw, throw me off the curb. So maybe someone else as well. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think we can maybe put in another, another shout out to the find a genetic counselor feature on the about genetic counselors.com website here, because all of those things that you mentioned could lead to, hmm, maybe I should speak to a genetic counselor or speak to my doctor about seeing a genetic counselor or uh, some kind of a health professional about this information a bit more at this stage. Exactly. Findageneticcounselor.com is really the best place to search for a genetic counselor. And um, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up again at the end. Well, thank you, Brianne, for taking the time to be with us today and to shed light on this really important topic that I know people are curious about and helping it be more understandable for us as well. Yeah, it's been a great conversation, Deepti. I'm glad that we had it. This podcast is produced by the National Society of Genetic Counselors. Subscribe to the Genetic Counselors and You podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Thank you for listening to this episode of Genetic Counselors and You. For more information about Genetic Counselors and to access tools and resources mentioned in this episode, visit aboutgeneticcounselors.com.